Hi, we're Ellen Taylor, and we're here to join you on your journey from pregnancy to birth, postpartum, and beyond. Here on the podcast, you'll get interviews with birth and parenting professionals, birth stories, and educational episodes to get you feeling confident, supported, and empowered on your journey to and through parenting. Welcome to Birth Reimagined. Hi, I'm Elle Kennedy, a birth photographer and doula based in Orange County, California, and I use she, her pronouns. So today I'm talking with Val Rosas. Val, welcome to Birth Reimagined. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for coming on. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What do you do? Yes. So my name is Val Rosas, and I'm a placenta encapsulator in the greater Los Angeles area. I am owner and encapsulator of the Feel Good Company Placenta Encapsulation. Val, what is it about birth that's always lit your fire? What are you most passionate about? That's such an awesome question and a question that I at first was really thrown off by. Um, I'm actually, what really gets me going is more postpartum than birth. Um, Mm -hmm. I think our society puts so much focus on pregnancy and birth and as it should I mean it's a really important time but then there's this other time that comes afterwards that is so critical and that we don't give enough focus and attention to um, in postpartum and you know during during the birth after birth rather the attention really shifts from mom to baby And mom needs just as much care as baby, if not even a little bit more, because she's the one that has to care for the baby. So if her well-being is not kept in mind, then how can she be sound enough to care for, for for her baby? So yeah, postpartum is what really gets me going. There's nothing better than supporting mom through that transition. And in holding space for whatever that person is going through, because um, just like pregnancy and just like birth, uh, postpartum is different for everyone. Um, like just yesterday, uh, I checked in with a mom, and normally um, when they check back in with me, it's always through text. But this mom called me, which I was super excited about because I don't really get too many calls back from moms, and. Um, she was really thrown off. She was like, I was not expecting this. She was three days postpartum. She was like, I was not expecting this to be so, so hard. Um, Physically, my body is not feeling well. Um, I can't move around. I can't really do anything for myself. I have to really rely on my husband to really do everything for me. And I feel really bad about it. And of course, I acknowledged, um, you know, what she was going through. And, uh, but that let me, or it gave me access to really be there to support her, to kind of shift the perspective a little bit for her, right? That she, her body did something Mm -hmm. so amazing. Her body put together a, a human being and then expelled that human being that she did all the work, right? Her partner was really there to support her during that time, but really there was no way for him to help her through that process because it was her body 
the one that was putting yeah. that 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 human together. And so now the roles have shifted. And it's now his turn to come in and to do all the things that she cannot do. Just like she was doing all the things that he could not do during the pregnancy. And she was like, that just totally shifted the mood. I mean, just even her voice. She was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about it like that. You're totally right. And mm-hmm. also there's very rare times in life where we're given an opportunity to really relax and be still and, and to heal rest. and to yes. rest. And postpartum is one of those times. And our society does not hold that time sacred um, as other cultures do. And so that's what really gets me going about uh, – after the birth is, is postpartum and really being able to be there for moms um, if they need it and holding that space for them. Oh, I love all of that so much. <laughs> uh, I'm remembering being pregnant with my first and her dad coming home from work. Um, I was actually put on medical leave about 30 days before her due date, a whole month before her due date. And I remember him coming home one day and just being like, hey, what'd you do today? And like, it wasn't like a rude, like, what were you doing all day type of thing? But he was just like, hey, what'd you do today? And I was like, I made an ear. What did you do? <laughs> and like, He just kind of laughed with me of like, oh, well, I just, you know, worked fine. <laughs> so it just kind of became yeah. this running joke of like, um, I'm making a human. What are you doing? <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's just not like until you actually go through the experience, like you just really can't wrap your mind around what your body is actually doing. Um, Cause it's, yeah. it's crazy. And it, at least for me, it was very much that. And even just walking around on a regular basis, like all of these people are here and, a woman put them together and like (laughs) had a baby and that's how we're all here. And it's just so crazy. Like our babies are going to be fully functional adults and contributing members of society one day. Like that's just so crazy to think about it when you're holding them as a tiny little baby. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. (laughs) I love the I actually really love thinking about like gosh what are you going to do when you grow up and like we out of the kids earshot because I don't want to like I don't want them to feel like I'm forcing them into any one particular you know profession or you know whatever but like we joke that my younger one is going to be a uh, stunt double because they're crazy and fearless and they will like leap off of anything and like they want to go you know speedy fast and like and the other one the other one currently wants to be an astronaut like she is she's just like I want to be an astronaut I want to go to space and the other day at um breakfast Teddy was like why do you want to be an astronaut and she was like so I don't have to be on earth anymore girl you are six <laughs> calm down that's girl, that's such an awesome me. response yeah. like, that's the best <laughs> it's fun to speculate um like what 
we think they're going to be or, you know, they, they're like into this one thing, like super intensely for like a period of time. You're like, they're going to be a designer. (laughs) And then two months later, they're like done with that. They're going to be an artist. They're going to be a dancer. And then, yeah, now they're into dinosaurs. Now they're into, you know, what I, and you're just like, I, I got nothing. You're, you're going to have a million hobbies and interests by the time you grow up. Enjoy them. Yeah, I didn't grow up um, thinking I was going to be a placenta encapsulator, and and I don't think that my parents did either. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think my parents saw this one coming either, but, you know, here we are. (laughs) So some of our listeners may not know what placenta encapsulation is. Um, So can you start by explaining that for them? Yeah, so placenta encapsulation is mom consuming her own placenta, uh, but not just by eating it. It's a more palatable way of consuming it. So placenta is dehydrated, pulverized, and then that powder is put into a capsule. So then mom gets to consume her placenta like she would any other vitamin. Um, Anyone coming into her house and seeing her uh, jar of placenta capsules would never know that it is placenta unless they actually look at the label. They would just think it's another supplement. So Val, what are the benefits of placenta encapsulation? So the three main benefits and the ones that are mostly reported in order, number one will be energy. By far, energy is the one that um, I get the most report on, especially from moms that have chosen the raw method of encapsulation. Um, Number two will be mood stabilization, hormone stabilization, and number three is um, lactation. Lactation is a little hit or miss. Um, It's not one that everyone is reporting um, as much as the others. Yeah, I definitely have heard people talk about like, oh, you know, I did placenta encapsulation, but I didn't do it with my first and my energy is so much better after my second doing, you know, every time I'm like, oh, I'm lagging today, you know, I take my placenta pill and like all of a sudden I have this big boost of energy. I've definitely heard that too. I often get reports when I check in with moms, um, something to the effect of, I haven't been sleeping that much, but I feel great and have a ton of energy. And I'm all like, that sounds like placenta power to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how does the process of placenta encapsulation work? Can you kind of tell us what that looks like? Um, As far as like how to actually encapsulate the placenta? Uh, Yeah. Just, yeah, for our listeners, like, can you tell us, you know, what it is exactly you do to to turn you know an organ that was created just for this one baby like I'm I'm sorry the placenta is so cool like you grew an organ that then disposes of itself but it was literally there just to feed this one baby like that's so freaking cool mammals are amazing (laughs) it's so rad it is it is really amazing the placenta is so magical um So yeah, so once mom gives birth, I go pick up placenta and um, 
I start the sterilization process of my workspace and all my equipment. And then depending on the method of encapsulation that they chose will depend whether the placenta is steamed prior to dehydration. Um, if, if raw method of encapsulation is chosen, then there is no steaming of the placenta. Um, with raw method, placenta is just sliced raw and dehydrated at 165 degrees. Whereas with the TCM method, the traditional Chinese medicine method, placenta is lightly steamed uh, with a little bit of ginger. The ginger is only in the water and the placenta doesn't actually sit in the water. I have it like in a uh, steaming basket that sits right over. So it's actually steamed just with the, with the vapor. Mm -hmm. um, so the ginger doesn't actually, isn't actually on the placenta or with the placenta at any time. Uh, placenta is then sliced and then dehydrated as well at 165 gotcha. degrees. Um, once placenta is fully dehydrated over a series of 10 hours, then it is pulverized into a fine powder. And then that powder is then put into the capsules. And that's the process of encapsulating placenta. <laughs> That's so cool. Like, I mean, the process doesn't sound super weird to me, but I also like grew up in a household where my parents would like make their own beef jerky and their own like, you know, stuff like that. So like we grew up with a dehydrator just like on the counter doing its thing like on a regular basis. So like hearing all of this, like it all just I mean, you know, we didn't pulverize it and turn it into you know, capsules, but you know, the beginning part of the process is fairly similar. <laughs> it is a rather simple process. I think that, uh, you know, most people don't want to deal with the placenta. <laughs> and that's where I come in. Yeah. Um, so like you said, those are the two types of placenta encapsulation that you offer. Are there any other types of placenta encapsulation or are those really the main two? Um, there's other ways of consuming placenta. So those two are the, the two ways for encapsulation. There are other options, um, such as raw placenta smoothies. Um, and that can be done mm -hmm. in different ways. Um, the way that I offer them is in three different ways. Um, I make a smoothie. Uh, before COVID, I would actually go into the room to pick up placenta. And at that time, I would make a smoothie for mom if she chose it ahead of time, and uh, leave her the mm -hmm. smoothie and then take the rest of the placenta to be encapsulated. Um, I have another option where I make raw placenta smoothies, and that's where I prepackage uh, a piece of raw placenta with the fruit of mom's choice in a vacuum seal bag. Um, so then all she does is she opens up the bag, throws it in the blender, and adds the liquid of her choice, and then boom, she has a smoothie at home. That's really cool. And then um, I started offering um, just like cubed placenta, mm -hmm. which I know kind of sounds a little bit weird, but um, <laughs> that's basically a blended up placenta and I make ice cubes with it and this, they're each individually packaged. Um, so mom just has that in the freezer whenever she wants a smoothie, she just puts it in the blender with the fruit of her choice and liquid and boom, there she has it. Um, there's also another way of consuming placenta through a tincture. Um, the tincture is, I think, is a magical little potion. Um, the advantage to the tincture is that it lasts for an ex a very long time. Um, they do say 
that uh, through tincture, you can save placenta for like menopause type years. Oh, wow. So you can save it for 10, 20, 30 years, and it can aid you during that hormonal fluctuation. Um, For people that are open to it, their kids can even use it as well once they hit puberty. Um, As we all go through hormonal fluctuation, whether we're men or women, and it can be helpful during that time as well. That's really cool. I didn't know about the tinctures. Oh, yeah. The tincture is amazing. There's a misconception online that you can save capsules for uh, menopause, mm. uh, but really capsules, they start to lose their potency around the two-year mark. Gotcha. Um, so you can't you can't save, save your placenta capsules for that long. I always like to use, like, the metaphor, like, it would be like cooking a piece of steak, freezing it for 10, 20, 30 years, and then expecting to get nutritional value out of it. It just won't happen, even if you dehydrate it. Yeah. But with a tincture, um, you can. You can save it for that long, definitely. That's awesome. Um, and then there's another way of consuming placenta, which I don't think is very popular nowadays. Uh, but every now and again, you see a, a video popping up, somebody eating their placenta. So that would be like actually like cooking it in a meal, like in a lasagna or uh, some other type of form. Um, I wouldn't say first generation Chinese folks do this, but more like older generations, they would actually prepare it into dumplings and eat it in that form, which again is not very popular with the newer generation. Not so much. They definitely prefer to have it encapsulated. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so are there any specific dietary or lifestyle changes that someone taking placenta capsules should think about? Um, you know, I, I was really thinking about this question, and some years ago, I actually went to a placenta convention in Las Vegas. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> they've held one every year since. It's called PlacentaCon. Um, of course, it's very small and very intimate, but, but it, it happens, you know, once a year in Vegas. And I attended this workshop and it was this woman talking about how to grow a healthy placenta. And she said, take your vitamins. If you can exercise, eat organic. And if at all possible, uh, don't take any medications during your pregnancy. And that's how you'll grow an awesome placenta. So, you know, basically all the things they're telling us to do when we're pregnant anyway. But, you know, hearing it from a placenta specialist, if you're planning on doing this, think about not just your body as you're pregnant and not just your baby while you're pregnant and nursing, but also your placenta. That's right. Yeah. Because it's going to absorb all the nutrients that you put in um, into your body. And it's always, I always find it fascinating when I work with a mom more Mm -hmm. than once, because it always happens where they're getting slightly different results, or even sometimes it can be major difference from one placenta to the other. Mm -hmm. Um, I had this mom that I worked with twice and with her first placenta, I checked in with her a few days postpartum, see how she was doing and how she was feeling. And she says to me, I'm not feeling good, Val. I feel very hormonal. I'm very sad. And I was like, oh, no, this, you know, that's not what I, what I like to hear. Mm-hmm. And um, so my first question is always, if I get a report like that, is are you taking your capsules consistently? And mm-hmm. she said, yes, I am. 
And I said, okay, um, can you please increase your dose? Can you please take three capsules three times a day? And she said, okay. And I check in with her a few days after that. And she's like, wow, night and day difference. I feel phenomenal. This is amazing. And I said, okay, great. So for her, we just had to switch it up, you know, um, the dosage slightly. So then with the second baby, she wanted to start, or with the second placenta rather, she wanted to start with a higher dosage from the get-go. And I said to her, you know, I understand that you want to do that because of your previous experience, but let's just start with the recommended dosage, which is two capsules three times a day, and let's just see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And you know from last time that if you're not feeling good, you don't have to wait for me to check in with you. You know what to do right away. Okay, cool. I check in with her a few days later. She's feeling phenomenal. She's feeling fantastic at the suggested dosage. So same mom, different baby, different hormonal content, and I'm sure the nutritional content was different because we don't always eat the same um, in in our pregnancies, right? Depending yeah. on how we're feeling, what we can tolerate. Sometimes we have less tolerance to some foods than others. Yeah. Or sometimes we can just eat everything. (laughs) Other things to consider would be lifestyle changes. What is different from your first pregnancy to your second one? Are you working a different job? Are, you know, are you living in a different place? Are you more or less stressed out on your daily basis during your pregnancy where that placenta is growing and and being created? Those are the, those are literally the building blocks that create that placenta. For sure, definitely. I'm, I'm sure that stress level plays a huge role in that as well. What is your favorite part about placenta encapsulation? This is such a not easy question to answer <laughs> because I love it all. <laughs> I love it all. I, you know, from the very first placenta that I encapsulated, I, you know, I just love the whole working with the actual placenta. I think placentas are beautiful and just gorgeous um so just the handling of them the knowing that it is gonna help support someone through their postpartum and help them feel good um to delivering it back to them to being there afterwards and I just love the whole process there's not like one part of it that that I like more or less than the other. Um, I think I had someone ask me one time if there was something that I didn't like about it. And I told them, I don't like putting the sticker on the bottle (laughs) when I'm done with the encapsulation. (laughs) And I have to like package everything up, like putting the sticker like on the bottle with the capsules is like the worst because sometimes I can't get it on straight and I like struggle with that. That's like the one part that I don't like. You're like, I <laughs> almost have it. I and love. then you make like a little bubble under the edge of the sticker. And you're like, ah, <laughs> I could totally see that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's good. But I love it. I, you know, I set up, you know, in the perfect scenario, I set up a consultation with the mamas who book me. And I love that. I get to, um, connect with 
moms and see how their pregnancy is going and see how they're feeling and get to talk to them about what their expectations or how they feel about postpartum and, um, you know, getting updates or communicating with the partner when mom is in labor and just that whole process as well is very, it's, it's very unique. Like, I just love it. Just love the whole thing. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So before I let you go, we have a couple questions we like to ask all of our guests. What is your dream for the birth community? Oh, I really like this question. And when I first um, was thinking about it, I, it wasn't, you know, nothing really came to my mind. But the more I started thinking about it over the last few days, Um, I would like the birth, I would like birthing and the services that are offered to like all services, not just placenta encapsulation, but doulaing and uh, prenatal yoga and nutrition during pregnancy and postpartum. Um, I would love it to be more inclusive for all women, no matter their race, or where they come from. Um, Because I don't know what your experience is like with the moms that you work with, um, with your photography, but I noticed that the demographic that I work with is Caucasian and Asian. And I would love that scope to be broader, to encompass all, all humans of all different backgrounds. And uh, for that information to really be accessible um, to everyone. Um, Because at least with placenta encapsulation, it's already something very unique and uh, something that people don't really hear about unless it is like surfaces in the media by like a celebrity Mm -hmm. or unless you're really like in the home birthing community or space is where you really hear about placenta encapsulation. So that would be like my dream for the birthing, uh, you know, for all birthing women is for them to have all of the things, all of these services um, to be accessible to them. Yeah, that's actually For, for them to at least know about it so that they can then make the choice on whether it's something that they find beneficial for themselves. Yes, absolutely. That's actually something Taylor and I, uh, we we talked about when we were first creating the podcast was, you know, they always tell you to think about like, you know, who's your target audience? And I was like, my target audience is all birthing people. I don't like just because I am a Caucasian woman doesn't mean that I just want to serve that demographic. Like I want to serve people of color. I want to serve LGBTQ people. Like I'm a member of the LGBTQ community, even though I'm in a very heteronormative facing relationship, you know, to the public. I have a male partner. I have two children. I, you know, I, that's what I look like, but I'm still a member of that community. And my experience has been that those communities are underserved. They're underrepresented in the media. They're underserved. A lot of times they 
are not given the tools to advocate for themselves in the birth room. And those are the people who more than anything else need these types of services. They need support in other ways. And a lot of times they just don't even know that these services are available. You know, I, you know, in the LGBT community, a lot of times they're just struggling to get the most basic care to be recognized for their relationship to be recognized or their identity to be recognized for what it is that they're not thinking about any extra support. They just want the bare minimum. And that's just, it kills me. It absolutely kills me. It's heartbreaking. Just to hear you say that is heartbreaking, right? To just only get the bare minimum, you know, and especially when we're talking about birthing, you know, birthing is such such a special and unique time in life yeah. and not something that everyone gets to experience and to think that there's um, a, you know, that there are people that can only get the bare minimum. Yes. It's very heartbreaking. Yeah. It, you know, I'm a member of the LGBTQ community and now I have a kid who is too. And that has made me more passionate, more fired up about this because my kid identifies as gender fluid and they identify as a boy and a girl. And I, you know, if the world continues the way it is, I'm terrified for them growing up in this world, but I'm not going to let them see that. Instead, I'm going to come on here. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to continue to advocate for it here and out in the world and do what I can to educate people and let them know, like, all of this is, it's fucking normal, guys. <laughs> like, there's nothing wrong with any of us. And we all deserve the best care. We deserve more than the bare minimum. Every single one of us. Sorry, I'm getting all emotional. <laughs> oh, no. It's a, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is an emotional thing. It is an emotional thing. Um, I get very moved as well when I... When I, when I, um, we just recently moved to South Central about a year ago. And if ever I have a mom who is in my immediate area, um, you know, they get a little extra loving. Let's just say that. Yeah. Cause you know, the demographic of the area that I live in is predominantly Latino and African American. And yeah, I want to give them a little extra loving, yeah. you know? Because they deserve it. Absolutely. They deserve it like everyone else does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Val, what is one thing you're going to do to take care of yourself this week? Ooh, I'm going to continue to do my daily 45-minute exercise in the morning. And if there are no births on the weekend, I'm sleeping in. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'm <am> jealous. <laughs> I haven't gotten to sleep in in a long time. <laughs> last sunday i slept in until 10 30 what oh my god i don't even know what that would feel like i don't remember oh man <laughs> i wish i could gift people my my way of sleeping oh i'm jealous i'm seriously jealous my kids wake up at 6 30 in the morning I put blackout curtains in their room thinking they won't know the sun's up. 
Those internal clocks, man. They are right on the money. <laughs> no, my girl knows better. She's like, mom's sleeping. I can get up and do whatever I want. I just can't wake her up. Oh, man. It's like the one thing. I'll do everything else for her, but just if it's the weekend and I'm not up, shh, please, just let me sleep. <laughs> uh, I am I am waiting for those days. Sooner or later it will happen, I hope. <laughs> it will. It will. <laughs> so before I let you go, where can everyone find you? Your Instagram, your website, how can our listeners connect with you? Oh, yes. My uh, website is thefeelgoodexperience.com. And I am definitely an Instagram poster more than any other social media platform. Um, I used to be a photographer, so I love expressing myself through photographic images. So you can find me on Instagram at uh, feelgoodfamily. Perfect. Awesome. And I will link to those in the show notes for this episode so our listeners can connect with you. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Val, for coming on the episode and geeking out about placentas with me. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. And yes, I love geeking out about placenta all the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And to our listeners, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us here on Birth Reimagined. If you'd like to join our Facebook community, you can find us there at Birth Reimagined Family. And if you'd like to join our email list, you can get the link to that on the show notes for this episode. Being a member of our email list gets you access to all our freebies and makes sure you're kept in the loop whenever a new episode drops or we have anything exciting to share. Thanks again and see you next time.